<laughs> Thank you. It is good to be here. And I did not leave my family permanently, just so you know. Um, it's good to be here, and it's been so fun to get to know Pastor Dan. And, and um, I've known Mary for some time, but have not known her well, so it's been fun. And then to see Pastors Rich and Maggie over here, who I've known for a long time and known me since I was, well, since my wife was a little squirt, and um, me since I was a younger squirt. And so um, it's good to see you guys. I love you guys so much. If you all don't know, like, that's pure gold right there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so it's just so fun to be here. And I am excited for what God is doing. And um, I have a beautiful family. Actually, I think you have a picture of there um, of my beautiful wife, Lydia. And and I have a son, my oldest son there. All of my kids, by the way, now are, like, inches taller now. So my oldest son there, he's turning 15. His name is Dominic. Um, he already has a business. He does videography. He does um, graphics. He does lighting. He's like, it's crazy. Like, this kid is crazy. He's being, like, flown out for Easter for, to, like, one of the fifth largest churches in the nation to help with lighting this year. And he's 14 right now, turning 15. It's like, I'm, like, still trying to figure this out as a dad. It's just wild. And then my other son, he's a football player and a videographer, um, amazing. And then those two little girls, if you think they look alike, they are identical twins. Um, and they are fire. <laughs> um, they keep us on our toes. They um, are amazing little girls. And they have their mama's voice. They are in musical theater right now. And um, it's insane to see these little things that sing like this. Um, so we have a fun life. Um, there is no boredom in our life. There is no chance for that. It's not allowed. Um, so, yeah, like, life is pretty cool, I will tell you. So our, our journey, I'm going to tell a little bit of my journey and kind of tie it into where we're going to go. I'm just going to tell you right now that the title of this message is Be Available. Just Be Available. We talked about, we sang this today. Like, Lord, I just want to make room for you. Like, I want to be available to you. And so God is doing something across the nation. Three and a half years ago, I was pastoring... Um, I was actually pastoring the entire network of churches in, in Phoenix, and I had planted all these campuses. We had finally finished, and I'll tell you as a pastor, I had finally finished remodeling our last facility in Prescott. And so we had all of our facilities now were remodeled and everything, and the Lord says, I want you to resign. And, um, and I'm like, Lord, I don't understand this. The church was doing good. We had planted our third campus, and I had planted a ministry in New Orleans, and I was like, God, I don't understand this. And he, he planted us and said, I want you to just go. And I'm like, go where? He's like, go to Nashville. I'm like, and we, we were signed to songwriters, so we had been traveling back and forth to Nashville. So Nashville wasn't unfamiliar to me, but I didn't like Nashville. I liked the city, but I didn't, I was, I'll just be honest with you, I was somewhat offended by some of the things I saw there. And so the Lord began to speak to us and say, the very things that you're offended by are the reason we're bringing you there. I want you to minister to the music industry. And, and so he brought us there, and we would start to have, we'd be in song rights, and we'd be in, in times with, with Grammy award-winning people, and all of a sudden we find ourselves forgetting the song rights and helping them restore their marriages. And, and just this started to happen, and we started to realize that part of our calling was to the music industry. And so for the last, actually, four years, but three and a half years since we've lived there, we have been just discipling and doing pastoral care to the music industry. Um, and it's been amazing to see just some of the testimonies of what's happening and how God is ministering to these people. And a lot of these people are on the road, you know, a long, a long time. They're away from their families, and they need marriage help. They need family help. 
And so that's been a, a sweet part of our ministry. It's the part that you'll never see on social media. Um, it's the part I'll get to share with you here, but that's it. It's about all you're going to hear about it. Um, the other part is, do we, do we do this? We minister around the globe. And over the last three and a half years, we had, before that, we had, we had traveled globally a lot more. And three and a half years ago, the Lord said, I want you to take the next three years, and I want you to focus on the U.S. How many think the United States of America needs a move of the Holy Spirit? And so we went literally like coast to coast. We've been to Hawaii to D.C., Hawaii to D.C. We've traveled. We did 7,000 miles with our kids in three weeks in our cars. We traveled up. We've ministered like in Tacoma. We've ministered actually just down the street from here. We've ministered in Oregon. We've ministered in California. We've ministered in Arizona and Colorado. I mean, we just have ministered everywhere, just bringing a move of the Holy Spirit, um, encouraging churches, just doing what I'm doing today, just telling you guys, keep going. I mean, it's really, it's not that complicated. I'm just like, yes. It's just, I'm just adding a yes and amen to what God is saying to you. Nothing crazy other than that of just saying, God, do it. And we've seen God heal people. We've seen thousands of people healed. We've seen people get out of wheelchairs. We have seen, uh, we've seen blind eyes open. We've seen deaf ears open. We've seen mute voices get their voices back. Um, we have seen metal dissipate from people's bodies. Uh, we have seen just crazy things. We have seen... a continually, one of the things, and I'll pray for this uh, tonight, we'll have some prayer in this. We have seen arthritis. It's been a strong thing. We've seen arthritis just leave so many people. Um, Amen. Just receive it now. (laughs) And so we've seen some really cool things, and it's been fun. In the midst of this, so the reason the Lord called us out is at first we were going to launch our ministry, and it was going to be Scott and Lydia Ministries. and, And the Lord, through a series of events that I won't take the time to share with you right now on, began to correct us and said, I want you to launch a ministry based off of your calling, not off of your name. And our calling was to bring an awakening. And so we launched our ministry called Awaken Ministries International, and our calling is to bring awakening of the things of the Spirit to the globe. And so we go places, and a lot of times when people have a move of the Spirit, they think like, okay, if, if we're going to move in the things of the Spirit, we have to kind of get rid of like the whole strong word ministry because they can't go together. Or if, or if you have a strong word ministry, you think you can't have the Spirit thing. And so one of my my missions and goals is to help people understand that the Word and the Spirit go together. It's not one or the other. We don't throw out the Word because we're a Spirit-filled church now and God's moving. It's not like, woohoo, God moved, no Word. That's, it's just silliness. We have the Word of God, and the Word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any 200 sword. It, it pierces between division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. How many know we need the Word of God? And we need to be grounded in the Word of God. And so... So part of what I've been doing is helping churches understand that, that, that they go together, and it's good. You don't have to, to, to have a church that is moving in the supernatural now just push down the word. They come together, and right now in this time, we have seen the church has gone bonkers over this last year. It's been weird. I could tell you stories that would be so disappointing for you to hear of how people have just fallen apart in this last year. And I know there's a lot of crazy things. I mean, I've seen, I have seen literally people fight over masks. I have seen church staffs walk out over Black Lives Matter. I have seen, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I could just list it on and on. Just the division in the church. I've seen people, uh, just crazy discussions about, you know, about prophetic things about President Trump still being our president and I actually know people who still believe that right now he is our president. 
And I'm like, well, you can believe what you want, but on paper he's not. And so people who have just, like, left the church because because of political division and different things like that. And I'm not here to have political conversation, mass conversations. I, I really don't care. I just want Jesus. I mean, I'll just tell you that. Like, I'm not, I, I'm not here for political conversation. What I am here to tell you is my message is to the church. And something is wrong with what has happened in this last year. There is something wrong. I think you could say it this way. This last year has shown that the majority of the church has had their hope in man, not in God. Because if their hope was in God, then I will tell you right now, I'm not saying that I don't want certain things in the government, and I don't want certain things in my city, and there's certain things I don't prefer. But I'm telling you right now, you understand when the, when, when the church was birthed, there was political division that is greater than what we're experiencing right now. And yet the church grew stronger, and they grew, they grew tighter together. And so if the church becomes divided over political things, then something is wrong. It means that we are not centered in Jesus. We are now looking to man as our hope. And there's a resetting, and I believe the resetting, and, and it's interesting because right now everybody thinks the resetting is a global reset. I'm telling you, the reset is for the church. God is shaking the church, and he is stirring things in us. He's bringing unity in the church. He's bringing lordship. I will tell you one thing I've experienced in this last year is how many people who claimed that Jesus was their Savior, but he definitely was not their Lord. The Word says that when you come to him, you come to to make him Lord of your life, your master, your decision maker, your controller. I believe that the Lord is breaking down things that he never asked for in his church. There's things that have happened in his church, and he's looking and said, I never asked for that. You guys put that in there. And there's things that we do that aren't all bad, by the way. It's not, I don't think we need to start to look and be like, oh, man, we're just all wrong and we're all horrible. But I do think that we have to look and say something's wrong. There, there, there's a global lack of discipleship for the church to fall apart the way that it has. Because the truth is, is as much as the times have been tumultuous, it's really not as bad as it might be. And it definitely isn't as bad as it has been. And so for us to fall apart in this way shows that something needs to happen and we need a move. We need God to do something in us. We need something to happen in the church. And we have a choice what to do with the times that we're in. And I'll say this, just start with being available. We need a discerning of spirits. We need to know what is happening in the spirit realm. So I'm going to talk about laying these things... We, we talked about his promises today, our yes and amen. We've already talked about this. The worship really set everything up. I can just leave right now. It's really, it's really good. But his promises, do we really believe they're yes and amen? Do we really believe that the covenant of God is ours? I'm going to talk about altars for a moment. Altars are made of broken things laid before the Lord. So now we've talked about the, la- the lack of discipleship this last year, but let's just be realistic. How many of you have some broken things this last year? Let's just be real. How many of you have had just some, some, some pain, some hurt? Maybe you've lost jobs or you've lost family members or people have got sick. I've, have, I've had people that I know who have lost their lives to COVID. There's been a lot of hurt. Ancient altars were made of rock and stone. Understanding what rocks are tells us a lot about building our own altars. Rocks are the direct product of hard things that have either cracked 
open under the stress of heat or cold or volcanic explosion or by the shaking and a breaking. And so right now, there's a strength that is happening in the church. And I believe the strength is happening by the shaking. So in Nashville, everybody wants to have the next greatest song. And I'm fortunate to know a lot of great songwriters and a lot of great artists and people who write the greatest songs. And it's really fun. I'm not the guy who writes the greatest songs. I'm the guy who knows the guys who write the greatest songs. And it's fun, though. I love it. Um, But there's a shaking. And in in prophetic realms, you'll hear people who say that there's a sound that's coming. That's not anything new. If you've been around the church for any time, there's always prophetic people saying there's a new sound coming. And I remember praying and asking the Lord, Lord, what is that new sound that is coming? And in Nashville, everybody wants a new sound that's going to make their radio hit so they can get paid. Um, And I remember saying, Lord, what is it? Is it a new chord progression? Like, is it really good lyrics? What is it? And I really felt like the Lord was saying that the new sound that is coming to the church is the sound of authority. The sound of the believers actually walking in their God-given authority. That's the sound. It's the sound of people who worshiping who actually believe what they're saying. It's the sound of people who live what they actually preach. It's the sound of authority. So altars are made of things that are broken. The result of the heat of the circumstances. So I look at these last few years and there's been a pressing. There's been a pressing on my family. This last year and a half and two years has probably been one of the more difficult ministry years, but it's been one of the more shaping ministry years too. The results of being under the heat, the pressure. An altar is broken things laid in before the Lord. So right now, this church is pressing in to the things of the Spirit. You're pressing into more of the Lord. You understand that there's always more. There's always more. We serve the God who is the Alpha and Omega. There's always more. And so before we even go to those places, what we do is we come to an altar and we bring all of our broken things before the Lord and we just lay it before God. And to see God do what he wants to do in this territory, in this community, and we've got to bring those broken pieces before the Lord. My wife and I have had two miscarriages. And I remember after our first miscarriage, we were younger and we were just absolutely broken absolutely broken we were it, there was such pain in our hearts and i remember the first thing that we said is we need to get to church and we had a lot of well-intended people tell us well you don't you, you don't you need to stay away from church you guys need time to heal and i looked at them and said i'm so confused i thought that i was going to go to church to get my healing because i needed them i said sitting on the couch is not going to help me i need to sit next to fathers and mothers who are going to cry with me. And I said, so, yeah, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to weep. And that's going to be my healing. Because I know that there's going to be fathers and mothers and friends who are going to weep with me and they're going to rejoice when I get my rejoicing back. (laughs) Oftentimes we have this idea that we need to isolate ourselves. I'm telling you, here's the hardest part is, if I were to do a survey, I bet almost every single person here has been hurt within the church guess where you're also going to get your healing? The same place that probably hurts you is the same place you're going to get your healing. I mean, we, we find our healing in community, but 
usually our pain came from community. Right before my wife and I were married, three months before our wedding, my father-in-law passed away unexpectedly. And it was one of the hardest things we've experienced. I mean, my wife was looking forward to her dad walking her down the aisle. And he passes away completely unexpected. Now you could imagine, I mean, you guys can get this right now, you could imagine all the wedding plans, and now all of a sudden you're dealing with funeral plans instead. The dream of your dad walking the aisle, and instead you're at his funeral. Now all of the wedding plans, and we're dealing with just the pain and all of this that we're trying to deal with. And the first thing we did, my father-in-law was still in the house with the paramedics, and they were just cleaning things up, and we walked outside and began to worship. I was with my mother-in-law. It was right before we were married, but I was with my mother-in-law. My mom was with us and my wife, and we just went outside and began to worship. And we said, we are going to lay it all at the altar right now. We are not going to allow this to break us. We're going to allow this to strengthen us. Sacrifice always happens at an altar. The Lord tells Abraham, and if you want to go to this, I'm not going to read all this scripture right now, but in Genesis 15, God tells Abraham that I'm going to make you great, and he begins to tell Abraham all his promises. And then he has him come, and he has him build an altar. And we know the story. First of all, we know that God keeps his promises, yes? The Lord is never going to fail on his promises. He is never going to fail. But then what happens is he comes and he, he, he makes a sacrifice on the altar and, and we know the story of what happens is the vultures begin to come and they begin to try to take that sacrifice. We need to understand that when you are coming into a place where you are laying your things at the altar and God is doing something so pure and authentic like he is doing in this church, then you begin to offer your things at the altar of sacrifice and you understand that the promises of God are yes and amen, and, and we can say yes and hallelujah to all these things. And, and Abraham, I mean, come on, the God of the universe had just told him himself that I am going to make you great in my promises. This wasn't just some preacher talking to him. This was the God of the universe. And immediately he brings his altar, and he brings his sacrifice to the altar, and vultures try to take it. If that's going to happen to somebody who just heard from the mouth of God about his promises, don't you think it's probably going to happen to you? And so we have to be aware of it. And part of this is we have to watch out for the vultures. Vultures of your own flesh. Satan, through circumstances, will try to shrink and steal your sacrifice away. And the Lord has promised to be your defender. But I'm telling you, there are times where we need to open up our eyes and we need to push some of these things away. You know, it's a fallacy for believers in Jesus Christ to think that it doesn't matter how we worship God. One of, the, one of my pet peeves, is it okay if I tell you a pet peeve? This is a pastoral pet peeve of mine. Is I've heard many people tell me, well, I was just, you know, I'm just worshiping in my, my there's a sincerity of my heart. You know, I'll just say this. Religion is not multiple choice. Religion is not as long as you are sincere. Let me bring clarity to that. John 14, 6 says that Jesus is the only way. You need Jesus. He's the only way. But how many know that a child can be sincere when they're playing in the yard making mud pies and adding a little poop to it? It doesn't mean it's good, right? 
You can go to the medicine cabinet for an aspirin and take the wrong pill and die. You were sincere in what you were doing. Isn't that true? Billy Graham put it this way. You can be as sincere as you want, but you can be sincerely wrong. True? In love, God has made it clear that we worship in the same way. The scriptures are laden with instruction on worship, on sacrifice. Worship is wholehearted. It is a sacrificial thing. It's involving our total being. It's physical. I often tell people that we don't express ourselves physically because we're a charismatic church. We express ourselves because we're a biblical church. You understand that the expressions of worship are not charisma. It's biblical. And I've taught this, by the way, I've taught this at Baptist churches. I've taught this at, like, Southern Baptist churches. I, I wrote for the Southern Baptist Convention's album. And they asked us to write songs about the Holy Spirit. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, worship is to yield our hearts and our minds. And here's the amazing thing right now is worship is explosive across the globe right now. And you have churches that would have never sang the songs we're singing, and they're singing them in their church. Half of them don't know what they're actually saying, but they're singing them. And it's amazing. I love it. Worship is to yield our hearts and our minds, and there's something that happens when we come, and we bring it all. So when the Holy Spirit comes, I'll see, I believe that we will see a great revival. A people focus just, not just on the things that we want to see, but on the presence of God, not just focused on the message or an event, but focused on Jesus himself. So we have a tendency in the church, and we have created a culture where people come and they camp around a great sermon. But if you look at the, at the Old Testament, you look at the New Testament church, they camped around the presence of God. It wasn't about the next greatest sermon. Right now, you can go online, and I always tell people, I'm like, you can go online and hear somebody who's going to preach better than me. You can go online and hear somebody who's a better musician than I am. I mean, I have, I've talked to people who watch three, four services on a Sunday. It's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Bring it on. I love it. But I'm telling you, man, if you're camping around the next greatest speaker or the next greatest worship team, you're missing something. We're supposed to be a group of people who camp around the presence of God. And there has to be an activation to our proclamation. We can't just say that we believe these things and not do them. You can pray, 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 get up early, but stuff is not happening. We have to move. It can't just be positive confession. We can't just say these things. I'm telling you, our action, our action has to follow our proclamation. We can't just pray into these places. We have to do them. Acts chapter 2. For sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but I'll read verses 13 and 14. And this is the, the Holy Spirit had come, and now there's complete turmoil. All these people think they are drunk in the Spirit. And, and this is where the church is birthed, and it's really cool. And it says in Acts chapter like 12, I think actually maybe, they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And it says in verse 13, others mocking said they are full of new wine. And then verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And I did not write the rest of it. Let me go through here real quick. But Peter, standing up, 
Heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only in the third hour of the day, but this is what is spoken to the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I am telling you, all flesh is the youngest to the oldest. I will tell you, we need, I don't care what color your hair is, we need you. There is something that we need. We need fathers and mothers more than ever. And we need you to stand with us and tell us we can do this. We need you to encourage us. And we need you to look at us and say, yeah, you got that. Even if you tried it and it didn't work, we still need you to say we got it. Because God's doing something so special and sweet right now. They were confused. They were marveled. They were perplexed. In verse 6, it talks about a sound that occurred. It was a wind that appeared and came like fire. A roar from heaven that came and shook. This violent wind, this manifestation of heaven, the air became so pregnant with faith that there was a roar. There was a sound that was heard. A sound of heaven. A roar that came from heaven. uh, 120 people finally got their act together. Think about this. After 10 days of praying together, I am so curious about what kind of conversations they had. I can imagine that they would have really good prayer times and then like somebody would meet each other in the bathroom and be like, well, I don't agree with this and I thought Jesus was going to do this and I thought that sword thing was really what we needed. Then let's go back and pray. You can imagine the kind of conversations that were happening. They were working their issues out. They don't know what God is about to do. They just know that God invaded their atmosphere and there was something, there there was a dismantling of their thoughts and what they thought should happen. And there were 120 people that came under the influence of God and people are crying out and saying, we got to be saved. We need in on this. Now, mind you, weeks ago, these same people who are saying we need this are the same people who killed the very God that is now present. There was a sound what was it? It was a sound of yielded hearts. It was a sound of hearts without agendas. It was a sound of harmony. It was a sound that summoned the city. They went from we are the ones that crucified the Christ to we are the ones who need the crucified Christ. I mean, it doesn't take a prophet to know that the Northwest needs Jesus. But it also doesn't take a prophet to know that God is moving in the Northwest. In the midst of what we see on the news, I will tell you, I know in my spirit that God is doing something significant here right now. Just this weekend, I have friends who are ministering at a church in Piala. I have friends that were ministering in Tacoma. Like, all come in from Nashville, all of us, at different times. It was Actually, I was at coffee with somebody this week, and they're like, so are you at Piala? No, I'm like, no, I'm in Federal Way. Then another one, are you at the one in Tacoma? I'm like, no, I'm in Federal Way. All of us, there's all these things happening, and God is doing something. We cannot fabricate transformation. God, I'm telling you, it is true. But we cannot fabricate transformation, but we can position ourselves. You cannot make transformation happen, but you can position yourself all day long. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and forgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. 
They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. <laughs> Listen, life's going to be a pressure cooker. They are religious, but they're, they're not. You, under, you need to understand that there is religion that is being broken down. I am not talking about what's happening in the world right now. I'm talking about what's happening in the church. Is The religious spirit is being broken. And the answer is to rise and shine and to do something. We have to catch the pulse of this nation. Years back, I was doing a study, and at that time, I'm not sure what it is in this current moment, but Dallas had the highest concentration of churches per capita. But it also had the number one crime rate in the United States. I remember looking at that saying, something's wrong. We have the highest per capita churches, but we have the highest crime rate. We've got to get real and be honest that are we actually transforming our communities? Is the Christianity we have affecting our society? Let me put it this way. Do we gather, but we don't govern? Like we weren't created. God didn't call us just to gather. He called us to govern in the nations. Do you govern in your home and your workplaces? This is supernatural ministry. Supernatural ministry is we need words of wisdom for our business places. We need words of wisdom and knowledge. We need healing in our workplaces. It is not just to gather. I love the gathering. I'm a church boy. I grew up under the pews. I love it. But I'm telling you, it was never intended for us to just hang out here together all the time. It was intended that wherever we go, we govern. And if we're not doing that, we're missing something. Revival is going to happen with a move of God that not only touches us individually, but goes beyond that. Christianity is growing faster in China than anywhere else in the world. And they can't meet publicly. We are to make disciples of all nations. When a God consciousness happens in a city, something happens. That's what happened in the book of Acts. I'm going to talk about some revivals right now. The Welch Revival. This is... I love history, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simplify church history for a minute. Here is the Welsh revival. Somebody said, hey guys, we need to get right with God. That was it. If you look at church history, the Welsh revival happened with a few people saying, hey guys, I think some things are off, we need to get right with God. And everyone's like, yeah, I think you're right. Next thing they know, they have revival. It sounds oversimplified, but that's about true. Finney would walk into places and people would fall on their faces and cry out to God. They were glory carriers, God consciousness, revival, reformation, awakening, a move of God. For example, 200 plus years ago, Finney conducted revivals in the northeast of the United States. These are large crusades on one occasion in Rochester, New York. Over 100,000 people came to Christ. Then, like I said, the Welsh revival that I just kind of simplified. It started with this. Let me tell you how it actually started. With a small room of teenagers meeting in a small church, spiritual fire fell upon the youth. Historians look at that gathering and they compare it to what happened on the day of Pentecost. And what happened is the young people were crying and weeping out for God to make a difference in their lives so they could make a difference in the world. And then what happened is the fire spread to the adults. 
and then it spread through the city of Wales. And there was a ripple effect around the world. Remember the Bible records revival in the city of Nineveh? Jonah was reluctant. He didn't want to go. He tried to stay in the fish motel, and that didn't work out for him very well. And so then he goes, and he went, and he preached the, the, the message of judgment, and the Bible says the entire city repented, beginning with the king right down to the people. We have similar thing happening in Acts chapter 8. It wasn't just Acts chapter 2. Remember, Philip went to preach in Samaria, and he went to the, in the entire city. There's like revival breaks out. How about the revival of life spring of 2021? Remember that one where the students were so on fire for God that they affected the atmosphere of their schools? The one where their workplaces were touched by the love of God and they changed the people around them because they were so in love with Jesus that they couldn't help but love the people around them? Remember this revival? I'm not talking about one of those temporary counterfeit revivals where we have a touch of emotions. As a one who studies church history, I can tell you many revivals that have started, they've also stopped really fast. They stopped fast because people began to start to get into counterfeit things and start to look for what God was doing instead of what God is doing. I'm talking about a revival where Christians genuinely get right with God and lost people get saved, where marriages are restored, where alcoholics are delivered, rebellious teens are brought to their knees, where liars become truthful, where Thieves became made honest, where adulterous men and women are become faithful to their families. I'm talking about a revival, an old-fashioned, soul-saving, sinner-racing, devil-chasing revival. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm not talking about a style. This is not about a style. This is about a genuine people saying, just like the Welsh revival of saying, hey, God, we need to get right. And God, we need your love so that we can love the way you love. And then what happens is, When you're talking about supernatural ministry, you understand that God still heals today, right? You understand that God still delivers, that God still takes a group of people and and he does corporate anointings where his presence and his glory falls upon a place. But I'll tell you, it comes from a group of people saying, God, we want your heart. When I look at the history of revivals, it rarely comes down to a people crying out for manifestations. It, it is genuinely a people crying out to get right with God and to love the way he loves. And when you love the way he loves, now all of a sudden when you see the sick, you heal the sick because you love the way he loves. And when you see the depressed, you bring them comfort and love because you love the way he loves. According to historian Thomas Rayner, In the Welsh Revival, there was one little girl that was so nervous she could barely speak, but she stood up and she shared one sentence and she said this. She said, oh, I do love Jesus. And that's when it all broke loose. God gripped their hearts and the rest is history. Another great revival, and I know I'm getting late. I need to finish up here. Another great revival started in England, the D.L. Moody. According to D.L. Moody's son, on vacation, he was preaching for a pastor named Lefty in London on a Sunday a.m. And he was there at that night as well. But in the a.m. service, it was cold, it was dry, it was dead, the people were unresponsive. It was just, he dreaded going back that night. But when he got there that night, it was packed with more 
than anybody in the morning. And he said the spirit was just electric. All of the people were excited. And he thought that maybe they misunderstood and asked them to sit down, like because he gave an invitation and dozens and dozens of people stood up. And he goes, I don't think they understood it. So he said, everyone sit down again. And he made them stand back up to make sure they understood what the, what the challenge was, what the gospel challenge was. And he goes, if you're really serious then, why don't you come back to this back room after the service? Doesn't show up. And Moody said the power of God was so strong that he was there for 10 days. Over 400 people got saved in that period. Moody knew that the kind of revival only happens with a response to prayer. So he was trying to figure out what happened between the morning and the evening service. That's a fair question as a pastor, isn't it? How could we have such a dead service in the morning and then get revival in the evening? What happened? And so he began to investigate and discovered that there was an elderly woman there that morning who went to her invalid sister and told her about Moody being there. And her eyes lit up and she began praying. And she said, I've been praying that God would bring Moody to England. And so she said, put your lunch away and let's spend the rest of the afternoon. And they spent the afternoon praying and fasting. This was between the dead morning service and the revival evening service. And they did. It happened because two old ladies, one bedridden, said, we don't need more organization or activities. We need the power of God in this place. It can also be held back by things. F.B. Meyer talks about an unsuccessful revival meeting where it just drug on and on and on with no results. Deacon came forward and said, I think I know why. And he said, I've been holding a grudge against brother such and such over here. They hadn't spoken in months. They had bad blood. Meyer got the two together, led them in bearing the hatchet. They made it public before the people the next service and said, hey, you know what? I've been having some grudges against them. We dealt with our stuff and revival broke out. Let's covenant together to be a place that God uses to start the needed fire. The fruit of revival is not just great services. I like great services. They're fun. But it is us taking our lives and putting the love of Jesus into our communities. Not just doing good, but bringing Christ to the community. So my question is, are you available to God? Are you available to God? I love as a pastor that I get to pray for people, but I get more excited when I hear that you prayed for somebody and I get to just come in and stand in agreement with you. I mean, God is doing something so sweet here. I mean, I could feel it just even in worship today. We need to pray that God will do something even greater in life spring and that it would spread to our city. That there would not just be proclamation, but there would be demonstration that something would happen. And I believe this. I so believe this. This is why I was willing. And I just said, yes, I want to come and be with you guys because I saw the purity of the cry of your pastor's heart. And I'm like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And then I got to meet some of, the, some of you last night. And I'm like, there is a humility and an authenticity in this place that I know, this is not even a question to me, I know God is doing something. But I also know this, God wants to do more. God wants to do more. And just when you think he's done more, guess what? He wants to do more. And just when you think that was great, he's like, I have even more for you.
And he wants to do something. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to bring salvation. I love, 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 love the presence of God. But there's nothing sweeter than seeing the presence of God not just stay in the four walls of the church, but seeing a people who love God so much that they can't help but love their community. So I believe that God is doing something sweet. And this morning, my intention was just to stir things up a little bit. Stir your faith up a little bit. Stir your hearts up that there's more. I could tell you stories right now across the nation. I told you a lot of revival stories. I can tell you stories right now. I was sharing last night of Wichita, Kansas, people getting out of wheelchairs. This is like we think, like I could tell you stories in Africa and you would be like, well, of course, that's Africa. Totally different when I tell you I was in Wichita, Kansas. Totally different when I tell you that I was in Los Angeles and God did something crazy. Totally different when I would tell you that I was in Anaheim, California, and God healed blind eyes, and, and we saw hundreds of young students come to Jesus. Totally different than I tell you that last month in Nashville, we saw over 100 young students come to Jesus by student-led ministry. Totally different when I tell you these things are happening in the United States of America, and they're happening here. And God wants to do something so sweet. I so believe that God is doing something in this place. So are you available to God? Are you available to what God has for you, has for this church? Right now there are sacred, I call them sacred cows, but sacred cows that are being tipped over in the church. You know what sacred cows are? Things that we have held on to that God never held on to. And we're realizing, we sing it today, shake up those things of our religion and our tradition. There's things that God says, I never asked for that. God is shaking some things and saying, this is what I want to do right now in this season. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, why don't you come on up and then we're still going to respond to this. Prepare your hearts, though, because in a couple moments we're going to respond. Can I come back up after this? And All right. We're going to respond, and I believe that God wants to do something corporately. Tonight we're going to do a lot of individual ministry, and I believe if you have arthritis, come tonight. God's going to heal you. If you have sickness, bring sick people. I'm telling you, I'm just, I have the faith. Whether you do or not, I do. I'm ready. <laughs> God's going to do something. But today what I want to pray, what I felt led of the Lord was to pray a corporate something over the group of people. Tonight we're going to do a lot of individual ministry and it's going to be sweet. Yes, be sure to come back tonight. We'll talk about that again in a minute. But um, thank you, Pastor Scott. Can we just please thank Pastor Scott um, for such an incredible word today. And like Pastor Dan said earlier, he just reached out to Pastor Scott and he just came. Right? We, we just kind of don't really think about that too much in this day and age. Pastor Dan was talking about this earlier, like back in the olden days when, oh, someone came hundreds of miles, that was a big deal. Now we think, oh, they just came on a plane and they came. But he left his whole family and just came because of 
his passion for sharing the Holy Spirit and the Lord with people. And so we want to take a special offering just to say thank you to Pastor Scott. Um, So on your way out today, you can, um, if you want to put it on a check, please write special offering. Um, Julie will be back there too to take a special offering if you're going to give cash. You can also do it online. And um, in the drop down, you'll just want to select special offering. But we just want to bless you, Pastor Scott, as you have blessed us today with an incredible word. And right now, would you just stand and we're just going to enter into worship one more time. Mountains are sealed Strongholds are sealed
if you're here and you just would say, I want more. I want more. Just lift up your hands and I'm just going to pray over you. And this is a corporate prayer today. Because I believe that God has something so sweet for this church. You know, there's something about pure oil that is more potent, which means it can ignite easier. And there's a pure oil in this place. There's a purity. There's a purity amongst your pastors. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, right now we come before you. Here we are saying, God, we want more. Lord, we want more. Some of us in this room have seen a lot, but we still say, God, we want more. Lord, we want more of your glory. We want the kabod, the weight of your presence to fall in this place and in this territory. So, God, I humble myself before you right now, and I say, God, move in this church. Lord, you hear the hearts and the cries of these people saying, God, we want your power. We want your glory. We want your manifest presence. And so, Lord, I'm coming into agreement with them saying, God, do it. God, raise the dead. God, heal the sick. God, bring deliverance, bring salvation. Lord, shake the city. Lord, let the weight of your glory be so thick in this place that everybody who comes in cannot help but fall in your presence. So, Lord, we are crying out, saying, God, we want your glory. We want your glory. And, Lord, we're saying, start with us. Start with us. Right now, wherever you're at, if you have some things you need to lay down at the altar, maybe you have past hurts, past expectations, maybe hurts from the church, maybe hurts from Pentecostalism, things where right now you just say, yeah, seen that. (laughs) Just bring them right now to the altar. Maybe you've seen people sick this last year, die. Maybe the political unrest has unraveled you. Just bring it all to the altar right now. And just be like that girl at the Welch Revival and just said, oh God, I need you and I love you. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here who's been dealing with severe depression, God wants to free you right now. Thank you, Lord. Somebody here, I just sense that you've been dealing with severe anxiety, actually having anxiety attacks affecting your sleep, even God just wants to touch you right now. Just cry out to Him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
that you love your children. Lord, you love your kids. Lord, you're the healer of the brokenhearted. You're the restorer of the lost. Lord, you bring joy in our mourning. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I sense specifically as well, if if you would consider yourself, I'm not going to put an age on this, but you would consider yourself that you're in the fathering and mothering stage of Christianity. Just lift up your hands because I feel that there's anointing in this place. And you need to understand that one of the greatest issues with revivals and moves of the Spirit are when we don't have spiritual fathers and mothers who who walk in authority and who walk with grace and love. Because I'll tell you, as a young minister, we need you. And I think it would be safe to say that every person in this room wants to see the next generation come to Jesus. But guess what? God cannot bring the young into this place if the old will not spiritually father and mother them. Because the last thing they need to to do is come into a place where there are not fathers and mothers. And so if you're in that place and you'd say, that's me, then I'm just going to pray over you because I just, you need to hear that we need you. We need you. So Lord, I just declare over the fathers and mothers in this place that they would understand their voice. They would understand that we need them. We need your testimony. We need your encouragement. We need your stories of faith. And so I just declare over you, you need to understand your time is not over. Your time is now beginning. (laughs) Fathers and mothers in this place, I don't care if you are the oldest in this room. Your time is not over. Your time is now. We need you. We need your voice. We need what you have. And so I'm telling you, we do not, do not sit back. Do not falter. Do not shrink back. Because we need you more than ever to rise up. We need your encouragement. We need the young people who come into this place who have no sense of stability in their home life. We need them to be able to come into this place and have fathers and mothers who will love them and who will parent them and who will tell them simple things of the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, I come into agreement with this church, and we say, God, let this church be marked with your presence. The supernatural flow, because your glory is present in this place. Healing signs and wonders, salvation, deliverance. Lord, but let not one of these things happen without love. May this place be so rooted and grounded in love that everything that happens, happens without a clinging symbol. Let prophetic stir in this place. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to hand it off, but just can you just take 30 seconds to a minute and just begin to lavish your love upon the Lord? Just out loud. You don't have to be loud, but out loud. (laughs) Just begin to lavish your love upon the Lord. Just tell him he's worthy. Tell him you're good. 
tell me he's faithful. And then after you've done that for about a minute, can you just take about a minute and let him lavish his love upon you? Just be silent after you've done this and just let him lavish his love upon you. isn't closed. They're all of a sudden because service is over. It doesn't mean you can't come. If you need an encounter with the Lord today, come. We will pray with you. I also wanted to share um, over at the Welcome Center are these CDs. This is um, Lydia, Scott's wife, and her CD that they brought. And they're just asking for a suggested donation. But also, Pastor Scott said, please do not let money be an issue. If you just want a CD, please take one. They're over there. You will be blessed. Lydia, oh my word, she just is amazing. Amazing vocalist. And just the, you just hear her love from the Lord in what she sings. So make sure you don't leave without grabbing one of these today. On your way out, we also have these. And this is for our Easter service. This is living. This is for putting in your yard. So you will want to be sure to also grab the metal sticks that go in unless you want to stand in your yard and hold it. You could be one of the sign spinners, maybe, um, standing on the street corner. If you like, you know, we, however you want to promote this is great. Um, but there are stakes that go in this, and then you can put it in your yard and just declare that this is living right? Living in the presence of the Lord, living for Jesus Christ who died and gave us his resurrection power. That's what we want to proclaim. So grab one of these. They're on your way out tonight at six o'clock. You do not want to miss it. I think Kelly Putman said it. Giddy up. That's what's going to happen tonight. You want to come. You want to bring your friends. If you need healing tonight, if you just need an encounter with the Holy Spirit tonight, just to sit in his presence, come. It is going to be amazing. Six o'clock. You don't want to miss it. And as we close, can we say our benediction verse together? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.